Lucky, our sister duo, duet, whatever. Thank y'all. That was great. They just they, they work so hard and do a great job on every time they sing, and it's really nice. Um, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I don't if y'all noticed, I'm not sure how or why we're doing it, but we're somehow we're getting me up earlier than we were for a while. It's not getting us out any earlier, but it's getting me up earlier. And so uh <laughs> Keep hoping, keep praying. The um, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 is where we've been and have been for quite some time. And of course, we deviated from that this morning. Uh, and again, just, I just felt the Lord uh, compel me to go a different direction this morning. But in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight. Lord Jesus, please, one more time, I ask you to, to guide my mind and my thoughts. Lord, I pray that you just... Help me to see and understand what you'd, what you'd have me to say. Father, I yield myself to thee, and your, I need your spirit to speak through me. Lord, I pray that we as a people right now would, would yield ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our ears to your word. Father, I ask you, please, that you'd just wrap your arms around us as a hedge of protection, a mighty hedge of protection. Lord, there's so much attack, and as I've said, there's so many voices in this world that are trying to destroy us, to distract us, to lead us away from your word and from your truth. Lord, I pray that we'd hear only the truth tonight. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to bind Satan from us, keep us safe. Don't let anything be stolen in a way that should be carried away in our hearts. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. As we have, and of course, we've got a few visitors here tonight, but as we have been doing, we, we took this passage, and uh, some weeks ago, don't know how many now, but we've been talking about the commands of Christ, and I explained at that time that I'm really, I'm, I never have been, never really was a real serious kind of guy, but, uh, but God just really put it impressed upon my heart because there's so much negativity about commands uh, that I felt like that we need to go in here and look at the commands of Jesus Christ. Uh, they're not just the Ten Commandments, not just commandments in the, in the Old Testament, but we've got commands by Jesus. And so uh, we've looked at about 25 of those, and we're going to pick up another one here tonight. Um, the last command that we dealt with was Matthew 16, 24. It says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, uh, that, that's such a very direct command and so very important, but it, it hinged, and we were building toward that because we, we had uh, command number 22 was hear God's voice. He said, let him that have an ear, let him hear. And, and, and when he said that, the next command, what was he going to tell us? He said, why was it so important that we open up our ears and hear? And, and it is vital, as I said, when we dealt with that command, that there, there's so many voices out there today, and there's a lot of garbage, there's a lot of lies, there's a lot of deception. 
but God says that we're to hear him. And why? Uh, because he says in command number 23, come unto me, take up my yoke, take my yoke upon you. And so he says, I, I need you to hear me because I'm going to give you a pretty tough command. He said, I'm going to tell you to come to me. And uh, preacher, one of the things I've been stressing is that's what he said. He said, come to me. And this generation of Christianity really is saying, Jesus, I want you, but you come to me. You come to where I am, but no, it's not, it's not the case. Jesus said, no, uh, you come to me. I saved you. I gave you as a free gift eternal life. But he said, if you're going to follow me, you don't go your own way. You come to me. And so you had to come to me. And so come unto me and take up my yoke, uh, he said. And, and what will keep us from his yoke was, was command number 24. Take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so he said, you know, I want you to take up uh, my yoke. And he said, but what's going to keep you from that is that, that you've been saved. You've been following me. But he said, but if you start to listen to the wrong voices, you start to listen to voices that are taking you away from the truth and taking you away from the the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and voices that distort the true meaning of grace. And so uh, these lead us to number 25. If we are to follow, uh, to be a follower of Christ, then we must deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow him. Now at the first glance, the next command would not seem to fit, but, but I believe it does. And I believe it does wonderfully. And, and, and God, again, he, he builds line upon line. Jesus is building line upon line as we've gone through these 25 commands. And, and, and honestly, uh, as you study them, it's really revealing how they do build upon each other. Jesus wasn't just walking along and saying, you know, I had a thought. I'm going to teach you something. No, he had an organized pattern of teaching to his disciples over that time. And then when he got to Matthew, he in that last command, he said, I want you to look. He said, I want you to go and teach everything, all commands that I've commanded you. Not just this last one to, 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 to teach, baptize and teach. He said, no. He said, I want you to teach all the commands that I've taught you. And so that's what we're trying to do. And now he said this. Uh, the next command is this. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. That's a pretty amazing verse, actually. Uh, but, but we're going to try to look at that. And I just want to give you just a little bit uh, to jump off here to, to show you how they fit together. God, in, in, in 22, 23, 24, 25, God's trying to get us to understand how to hear him so that we can follow him. And so we can follow him the way he tells us to follow him. And now you have this and take heed that you despise not the little ones. Well, let me just tell you, God wants us to follow him, and one of the worst things that we can do is discourage some young Christian from following him. And that's, that's how these go together. He's saying, now, wait a minute, I'm trying to get across to you what you need to do. And he said, but just let me, let, let me tell you, you go out of here and discourage some young Christian from following me. You got, you got me to deal with. And so now, uh, God wants us to follow him. Now, it says, despise not the little ones. Earlier in this passage, it seems to be stating this in a, in, in a little bit different way, a little bit different phrases, but we're going to deal with this. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 through 6. It said, and, and said, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, notice the words, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
and whosoever and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones. And there's a different terminology here. Uh, which believeth in me. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that they were drowned in the depths of the sea. You see, the, the term little ones is used in the command. The command that we looked at, Matthew 18, 10, it uses the term little ones. And so uh, in that, little ones means, it, it, it means small in size and quantity, uh, least, less, little, small. Uh, but it does not necessarily, it's not necessarily related to age. But in Matthew 18, 2 and 3 that we just read, it says a little child or children. And that, by definition, could be a young or an immature Christian, but primarily the definition is talking about an infant or even up to a half-grown boy or girl, uh, you know, a, a little child, a little damsel, uh, maybe. And so the, the, the word uses here is very important, and, and hopefully I'll make it clear, and maybe I won't, but Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was teaching teaching his disciples that there are special qualities that children possess that would be necessary for them to learn. You see, Jesus took as an example, and he used specifically the term little children, uh, because at this point, I believe by definition, and I believe by context, he's bringing up, and I started to bring one of them, but I, you know, I, forget, I keep forgetting that we have Kids for Christ on uh, Sunday night, so they're all out, out there right now. Uh, but but he, he brought up a young child. Now, we really don't know exactly how young, but, but, but pretty small, because I'll be honest with you, uh, they, the, the older they get, the less they have these traits Jesus is looking for. And so, and, and so these traits, some things to, to look at, and even in the passage, humility. Do you know that most little bitty guys are not full of pride? They don't even know what it is. They're not walking around trying to you know, show that, you know, how good they are, and they tell everybody how wonderful they are. No, they don't do that until they learn it from us. Okay, so humility, he said, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So humility, the first thing, truthfully, you'll never, you, you, we really never even get saved until we humble ourselves to the reality that we can't get to heaven. I'm not good enough. We can't get saved till we humble ourselves to God and humble ourselves to the fact that I am a sinner that deserves to go to hell. Number two, uh, a, a res, what I call a respect and a care for others. It says for those who are least, uh, you know, those, those who are uh, uh, not esteemed as, as being as important as others. He, he said, and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. You know, so uh, he, look, uh, when he's looking at him, he, he's saying, you know what? It's important that you humble yourself, but it's important, you know, because children, uh, again, children accept children. Little bitty guys. Now, I'm talking about, again, uh, it's a sad, but, but we're teaching them younger and younger how to hate each other. 
But I'm telling you, if you put a bunch of kids in it, and look, we, we come from a very uh, a mixed society here, but I'm going to just tell you, you put a bunch of little bitty guys all together, and, and, and you put them, it doesn't make any difference what race they are, what color they are, it does not make any difference at all. They get along and they play. They don't know any different until somehow they learn. And Jesus said, we don't need that kind of attitude. He said, I don't need that. And number three, he said, I, I, what I believe, a pure and complete faith. He said, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believeth in me. You see, he said, there's these little ones. Notice in that passage, he kept saying children, children, or child. And here he says little ones. It's because there's a difference in a child and a one. They see the one, and he, and he clarifies it because he says that they believe in me. You see, this pure and complete faith, God's saying that this, he's saying, I've got a little child here, and he's got this incredible faith. And I, you know, I was going to, uh, again, I, I forget that they're not in here. I was going to use Noah tonight, but, but you take a little bitty guy, three years old, and, you, you know, if, if it was pitch black dark in here, and I said, okay, Noah, go to the, you know, go uh, to the back of the building or go to my office, he may, be, he may be scared to go back there. But if I say, Noah, walk with me and hold my hand, he's fine. Because he has this complete faith. This, this faith is untainted. This faith has not been messed with. But can I tell you, when you have a young Christian that just got saved, do you understand that in order for them to get saved, they had that same faith? They had to finally come to a faith that just said, I give up. I'm trusting only in him. I'm trusting that he's going to hold my hand all the way to heaven. And so the Lord says, you know, watch this now. He's saying, he's given the illustration, but he uses a different term because he said, he's talking about these children. He said, this faith, I don't, I don't want you to hurt anybody that has this faith. And that faith, the same faith that in that little three-year-old mind or that little four-year-old mind or that age when you're old enough to trust Christ and receive Christ, that faith and that mind, any one of us that got saved, I got saved at 20. Do you understand? I had to come with that same faith. And the Lord's saying, don't mess with those people that came that way. When they come with that faith, he said, don't you hurt them. Don't you despise them? Jesus is making a definitive statement in these last five commands. He told us to hear, and a, and a child has ears of faith to, and belief to hear, uh, hear God's voice. He said, come unto me and take him. A, a child is willing to follow. A child will trust the Father. He said, take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees. A child lives a life of simplicity. A life of a child is not complicated. They simply believe what their father tells them. And it leads us here. Uh, the, 
if we are to be a follower of Christ, then we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And a child is willing. Uh, you know, a child will raise their hand. If you say right now, do you want to go? Will, will you surrender your life for Jesus and go to, 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 to the Congo? They'll be sitting down there. We keep looking over them. I'm, I'm trying to get somebody that's willing to go. And here they are. You know why? Because, hey, if, if the Lord wants me, he'll take care of me. It's such a simplistic faith. They'll go out visiting. They'll work on a bus route. And you know why they do it? Because daddy and mama do it. That's why it's so important, daddies and mama, that you keep doing it. Because your children are watching what you're doing. So don't despise the mentality and spirituality of a child. And now, this command, though, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Notice again. That the difference in terminology, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always the, behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. It goes much deeper than the faith of a, of a physical child. It's a command to despise not, and that word despise, to, to disdain or to think little of or to think nothing of. He said, he, he said I, I, I don't want you to, to act this way toward the little ones. And Now, this little ones, when he's talking about here, I believe he's primarily talking about the young Christian. He's primarily talking about, now it could be the young Christian could be four years old, or the young Christian could be 40 years old. He's talking about the young Christian here. This could be the little ones in age and size, but it also could be those who are young in faith. You see, the, the one, the young, uh, uh, young in faith is in many ways responds as a little child. And I've said this already. They come in humility and in, in simple belief for salvation. And it does not come, they, uh, they understand. If somebody, uh, we, we had these young boys that got baptized this morning. And when they got saved during vacation Bible school, those boys had to come believing it's not through education or experience, but through simple childlike faith. They come willing to help others, for they've been helped. They come for salvation and simple childlike faith, for salvation does not come through this education and experience. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that if we are going to get saved, we must come humbly before our God. Amen. We must come with the faith of a little child. We come with the faith of a little child, and we become a little one for God. And that's at any age. I was 20 when I got saved. I was a little child. You know, the truth is, there were Christians uh, that could hurt me or help me at that moment. When I, and I'm probably way ahead of myself, but when, when I was in, in, uh, teaching at the Bible College, uh, one of the things that I learned very quickly, that, that a young, on-fire Christian, and this is what's so sad, uh, my old pastor, uh, Brother House would say, he would say that... Uh, uh, that the, the average lifespan of a soul winner is three to five years. They get excited, they get on fire, and somewhere around three years to five years, they just quit. They burn out. You know, I, I would see that at times accelerated greatly. Because a boy would get absolutely, or, or, or a girl, you know, get absolutely on fire to do something for God, excited to do something for God. And watch, it all depended on who they got hooked up with. 
Sometimes it was on a bus route. Sometimes it's in fishermen's club or foster club. And, you know, if they got hooked up with somebody that was going to spend their time, Joe, you know what I'm talking about, spend their time uh, going out, instead of bus calling, they go out and they play uh, one Xbox back then or whatever they do. They go play video games all day and they watch TV at somebody's house and they, and they eat and they walk around. And this on fire kid has just been hurt. He's been despised. Or they move into a dorm and they're excited about serving God. They're excited about learning the things of God. And somebody in the room tells them, oh, that's stupid. You know, man, here's the, you know, you, you don't even have to study. You don't even have to worry about that. Let's go do this, do that. Don't get carried away with it. And you know what happens? They're being despised. They're being hurt. Verse 6 says, but whoso... Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. You know, the Lord makes it clear that for anyone to hurt the faith of a young one, that's in age or that's in young in Christ, that they'll answer to God for it. And I believe this first illustration is, is God's, the implication, it's going to be a physical punishment. God says, I believe, you know what, You'd better, it'd be better for you to physically be tormented by drowning than to, to, to deal with how I'm going to deal with you for what you've done. I believe it's an implication of a physical punishment. Now, Matthew 18, 10, it says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. The warning is direct that God in heaven is involved and knows what is taking place. You see, I believe that's what he's saying there when he says, you know, they, they, these, these angels, and, and you can believe whether you want to, that, you know, whether we, we are all assigned angels or whether, uh, you know, we have guardian angels. Or, all I know is this. I know God sends angels to help us and protect us. It's clearly in the scripture, you know. So I, I know that. And, he, and somehow he said, they're angels. Okay, so I kind of believe God. He said, they're angels. And so those angels must be that means that I, I must, as a young Christian, I got to say, God, you know, whether he gave them to me then or already had them, but he said, my angels. And so he said, I want you to understand that their angels look upon my face. Now, you can, you can kind of describe that however you want to, but, but you talk about having a tattletale. What God's trying to make clear in our human minds is, hey, listen to me. you got to understand, i got people watching you, and they talk to me. You say, well, God already knows anyway. Yeah, but we don't grasp that real good. But we do grasp that somebody's watching and telling on me. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, he said, these people, you take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. The, the warning is direct that God in heaven is involved and knows what is taking place. He has angels to fight for his children. Those angels have access to God. I would be, listen to this, please. I'd be very careful how I treat the little ones. Very careful. Folks, I beg you. When, when, when we have somebody that gets saved or somebody comes in the church and, and they, they just, 
God lights a fire inside of them. Maybe they're already saved and God's starting to do something in them. And they're excited about doing something. Don't naysay anything. Don't naysay anything, please. Can I tell you? Encourage them to, 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 to go out visiting. Encourage them to get involved. You know, when, when Marcus con contacted us and said he could drive, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, I can drive, but do you have a license, you know? So uh, then, you know, he immediately sent me a copy of his license, and, and, I, and I wrote back and said, do you have air brakes endorsement? He said, I got air brakes, I got passenger, I got everything. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, uh, do we even have to have him? The truth was, that Sunday, Brother Rogers here and could drive. And I, I came to Brother Rogers and said, I got somebody driving. You know why? I, I, want him, I want Marcus to get involved. I want Marcus to, to feel like he's being used of God. I want Marcus to, to feel like he's doing something for God. Now, the worst thing in the world for me to do is look at him and say, uh, well, no, Marcus, we, we don't need you. No, that's going to hurt him. That's going to hurt him. He's a young, young Christian who's been through a lot, and, and, and he's wanting to do something for God. Man, we need to fan that flame. We need to get that thing burning. And it's terrible when we start spitting on the flame. We start dousing. Go ahead and make a mime out of that too. Somebody made, uh, uh, Amy, she sent me a, what do you call it? What do you call it? No, what do you call those things? Mime, meme, what? Anyway, that thing that repeats over and over. Because I was illustrating something the other day and I went. <laughs> so she sent it to me just over and over. <laughs> She used to work here. The, um, okay. But I'd be very careful not to offend the young, the, the new Christian. We, but listen to me. Here's the thing, though. We can offend by words and actions. And we can offend by just being mean to them, being snotty to them, being discourteous to them. We can do that, but that's really not where we offend them. We offend them in negativity. We offend them when we demonstrate to them that the way to be a church member is to be uninvolved. That's really offended them. Because we're saying, if you, hey, I, I, we, we had the wonderful privilege of going through three, three church splits in three and a half years. You know, that was our initiation to Christianity. So I, I got saved in college. Joe Beth got uh, saved in that little church they were going to out in Carville. And, uh, you know, she had assurance. She, was, she had made a decision when she was younger. But, but um, so she got it all signed, sealed, and delivered there. But, but. The, the, the pastor that changed my life in six months, six months later, he was gone. And, you know, the one came and he was there for about a year and a half, and he was gone. And then uh, another one was there for about a year, year and a half, and he was gone. And, you know, what I saw, worse than the fact that people would gang up against the pastor for whatever reason and drive him away. Worse than that, 
is I, I experienced this myself. Jimmy McCullough, y'all know him, Jimmy. Jimmy and I were down home. We were, we were, I don't know if we were both college students at the time or if I was working on staff and Jimmy was a college student. I'm not sure, but we came home on the same weekend. I'm not sure if we came together. I really just don't know. But, but we went out visiting on Saturday, and, and we went into a home, and, and there in Kyrieville, and this was one of the early big homes in Kyrieville, you know, and it was, I mean, it was really, really nice. I mean, I remember asking them, you know, if I could go to the restroom, and they, you know, they had like gold-plated stuff, you know, and, and, I, and I, I, I took several faucets with me. And, <laughs> but um, but the, those two people, wealthy people, bowed their head and trusted Christ. It was, I mean, just a great visit. We asked them to come to church the next morning. They were there at church the next morning. They seemed to enjoy everything that was going on. They just got saved. They were on fire. They were excited. And a man caught them as they were going out the door and said, I'd like to take you to lunch. And it was the man that spearheaded the three splits. And was spearhead well, the two before, and it was spearheading this present split. And when I came back to church that night, and I reckoned, I saw when he did it, and I, I really got apprehensive. Came back to church that night, I didn't see him, and I, and I was a little disappointed. But I thought, you know, was, they still came that morning. So before we left to go out of town, Jimmy and I went by their house. And I knocked on the door. They weren't smiling and friendly like they were before. I said, you know, I, I want to talk to you. And, you know, they said, we'd really rather not. From what we understand, that's not the place we want to go. Now, I don't know if those folks ever went to a church after that. Do you understand they were little ones? And somebody's going to have to answer for that. Now, we have to be very careful, folks. We need to make sure that everything that we do in the life of a little one is to somehow encourage them to serve the Lord. Somehow to fan the flame, not put it out. Now, again, you say, Brother Hooker, why are you preaching this? Is it, do we have a problem? No, I'm preaching it because it's the next command. And I always, I, I, I've been getting worried because, you know, some of these commands, you know, maybe I'm not teaching them the greatest, but some of these commands are just kind of, Lord doesn't pull any punches. He's just right there in your face. And he said for us to teach all these commands, so I, got any, I don't have any option. He commanded me to teach all of these. And I'll be honest with you, I ask him how. I ask him because some of this is not just like it's all written out like I'm giving it to you. I have to ask the Lord, Lord, you've got to direct my mind. You've got to show me. You've got to help me. Just like going through this. And, and, I, and God just, I believe God put a prick in my heart about the fact that he used two different words here. In one place, he used little ones. In one place, he used little children. When I started looking at it, I realized he's talking. He's making sure we realize that this is a dual meaning. He's talking about these little guys that had this incredible, 
incredible faith, don't you hurt them. But he's also talking about those little guys and that faith. If you trusted Christ at 50 years old, you have that little guy's same faith. And don't you hurt them. This is a great offense when the actions of older Christian causes the younger to stumble. Or to cause them to lose their childlike faith. Or to doubt the goodness and provision of God. God says there's very strong consequences for faith destroyers. And so, I'm going to just beg you here tonight. We must be builders of faith, not destroyers. Always encourage the young ones to believe, to trust God, to get involved, to stay faithful. It's sad when older Christians encourage younger Christians. Forgive me now. Social media is killing us, folks. But it's really sad when older Christians encourage younger Christians to skip church. You say, well, I, I never, I'd never do that. You do when, you're, when you are illustrating it to them in social media that you're not in church. Folks, that, that, that's not even wise. But you're hurting younger Christians. What you're saying is, they're looking and saying, well, this is an older, seasoned Christian. Uh, this is a person sold out for God, and they're not going to church. It must not be that important. And I say again, Jesus didn't shed his blood for something that was not important. And I forgive me, but I've got to say this. But when, I, just recently, I, I, I saw on the social media a pastor's wife, so scantily clad, that I wondered if she understood how much she was encouraging young ones to accept nakedness. And encouraging young ones to live a life to attract men to their bodies rather than to their soul to the spirit. In the previous command, we're told to follow God, not listen to the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In this command, we are warned not to be those that hinder as do the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is what it really comes down to. He, he said, don't listen to them. Don't let them affect you. He said, but don't you be one of them either. And sadly, that's what's happened. Social media has allowed people to, truthfully, the way I put it, they allowed people to find people that are going to agree with them wherever they want to go, do whatever they want to do. But I can't stop them from finding people that want that, but I can say this, we should not be those people. We shouldn't do that. And they'll say, well, I'm just not going to be a hypocrite. Well, fine, don't be a hypocrite, although everybody's a little bit of a hypocrite. But don't be a hypocrite, but I'm going to tell you this, you know, I'm going to be real. Well, let me help you. That's a good thing to be, but you ought to be real Good. Not real stupid. Be real good. Hey, you know, I mean, look, I'm real, but I'm really trying to serve God. 
I'm not perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. But we ought to be really trying to serve God. So look, we should not be just out there saying to people, this, the church is not important. Going to church Sunday morning is not important. Going to church Sunday night is not important. Listen, if you weren't here Sunday, Sunday night, you'd not get, you wouldn't get to hear this wonderful service. Amen? Now, it's just so important that we, we think a little bit and look, I think sometimes people don't realize, and that's why God said to teach it. Because we don't realize the influence that we're having in a negative way. It's like the, this whole movement about alcohol, and, and shortly after it really got full-blown in our sweet millennials, is that a boy that graduated from the college, he was, showed a picture of himself on the beach holding his mixed drink on a Sunday night. And that's what he said. Wow, it's so great kicking back, relaxing on a beautiful Sunday evening. And he listed the drink that he had. Okay. He's got to give account of himself. But you understand anybody he has influence over, any young Christian, He's a pastor. Well, it, it can't be that bad. Must be okay. No, Jesus said you just despised those people. So, I'm not meaning to be mean, folks. But you're going to have to blame God because he, he put these things in the order they're in. All right? But I do think it's very important that we realize that we have great influence. And with this technology we have, if you're going to use it, you better understand you have great influence. For good or for bad. And can I tell you, it's not just the young Christian. It's the lost man. I've told them and told them and told them, don't start your Christian fights on Facebook. Nobody wins, and every lost man looks at it and says, how stupid can they be? Well, I don't know, again, what this means to you, but I think what we should do is spend our life, our energy, our time encouraging, supporting, building the little children and the little ones. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If we're not supposed to be hurting them, then I think it would be a wonderful thing if we'd be helping them. So... I'm not sure how God may have spoken to your heart, but we're going to take just a few minutes and have an invitation. I'll have a word of prayer, and she could, somebody could come to the piano. Father, I pray that you'd bless here tonight. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your goodness.